0: The scripture lesson is from Luke eighteen eighteen through twenty five. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He replied, I have kept all these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, There is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who have lived to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel Go through the eye of an needle, and for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God.
1: What does it mean to be the church? It's a question we've been wrestling with on multiple different levels. We talked about this a little bit at our park picnic and prayer gathering. We've been talking about this in our Sunday evening Bible studies, and we've been talking about this throughout this sermon series. Because it's an important question for us to be asking in a time where what we once thought it meant to be the church no longer applies. I look out at an empty sanctuary, and it's disheartening on some days because I miss seeing your faces. I miss when church meant that we could gather together, when church meant a community right next to each other doing the work of god but we're not in that world right now and so we have to redefine on many different levels what it means to be the church and as we are asking these questions i've found it helpful to turn towards god's upside down kingdom the ways in which god has been teaching us through christ how we are called to live And today, as we ask that question, what does it mean to be the church, we have to turn our eyes for a moment upon the question of wealth and money. And I'll be honest with you, talking about uh, money in church is the most uncomfortable thing for me to do, because immediately I assume that other people are going to assume that I'm going to start saying, you need to give more. Um, I am going to say that today, but I'm not going to tell you where you need to give That's between you and God, but it's still an uncomfortable topic, yet I cannot escape the reality that we live in a society where money is essential. I mean absolutely essential. If you don't have money, you don't have a lot of things. You don't have access to decent housing. You don't have access to decent health care definitely don't have access to decent mental health care, your opportunities are limited. In many communities, that means your educational opportunities are limited. And we could really go on and on as we see how essential money is. And so we have to recognize that as a church, we operate within this society. We, as a church, find that money is fairly essential to our operations, literally our operations. In order to keep the lights on, cost money, a lot of money. In order to keep this building open, it cost money. In order to keep this kind of programming going, like we have these videos and other opportunities, these require money. In order to sustain our ministries, requires money. Um, Yeah, the list goes on and on. Once again, we find that money is essential. But we come before this passage today, this very challenging passage. At least it should be challenging. If this passage isn't challenging to you, I'd ask you to read it a couple of more times until it is challenging. It should be challenging because we have this individual a ruler, a very influential person, apparently, who's wealthy, come before Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you know the commandments, and he lists off five of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery or murder or steal or bear false witness, and you should honor your father and mother. And the the rich young ruler replies, I have kept all of these since my youth. That's incredibly impressive, because I think back to my youthful days, I guess I may still be in that, I'm not really sure, I don't know, anyways, I think back to the times when I would consider myself a youth, and I did not keep any of these very well, Um, well, I didn't murder, so at least I kept that one, Um, yeah, anyways, and so he says, I've kept all of these since my youth, and Jesus says, well, there's still one more thing you lack, sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor. And when the rich young ruler hears this, he became very sad for he was very rich. Jesus answers this individual's question of what must I do to inherit eternal life and says, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to make this meaningful, you've, you've been fulfilling the commandments, very good, sell everything, and what's interesting here is Jesus doesn't say sell 10%, that's the, what we call a tithe, 10% of what you make, yeah sure, he doesn't say sell 10%. He doesn't even say sell 90% and keep 10% for yourself for you to live off of. He says sell everything. Sell all that you own and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he becomes very sad because how on earth are we supposed to live up to that how on earth are we supposed to sell everything we own? Surely Jesus didn't mean everything because how am I supposed to live anymore? How am I supposed to get by? Is God, or is God through Jesus asking me to become poor like those people I'm supposed to give all my wealth to? I'm not going to lie, I don't know. Maybe. A world would be a lot, a lot happier place, I think, if we all were poor. That's a whole different discussion. I think, though, what we need to understand, most importantly in this conversation between Jesus and the rich young ruler, is that in God's kingdom, the place of eternal life, in God's kingdom, there is no currency. There is only love. Take that in for a moment. In God's kingdom, there is no currency. There is only love. There is only compassion. There is only mercy and grace. There is no money, no wealth. Even though Jesus says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, is what Jesus says, we all understand on a fundamental level that that treasure in heaven Jesus is talking about isn't some like treasure chest filled with gold for what use could anybody in God's kingdom have for gold no in God's kingdom there is no currency only love and so Jesus here in this moment is challenging the rich young ruler and is by extension challenging each and every one of us to consider what matters to us, to consider what matters to us. I don't know if you recognize this within yourself, and maybe it's not true of you, but many people really care about money. And it's not wrong to. Money is not the root of all evil. We know that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not b- inherently bad. It can be used for bad purposes, and it can become a distraction to us from God. That's whenever it's not such a great thing. But money can be very useful. It helps keep our society in order. It helps motivate uh, people to do things. It keeps people engaged in life. It, you know, You know, it it does what it's supposed to do. It, It also has its own corruption to it, but money itself is not evil. And so caring about money, I would say, is not inherently evil. But when it becomes such a problem that we cannot follow Jesus, it might become a problem. And so I imagine at this point, you might be thinking, well, you know what? My money is not keeping me from following Jesus. I do pretty well with my money. Yeah, I think I'm all right. I, I have my money, and, you know, I use it for what I need to. But, you know, it's not hindering me from following Christ. And that's great. But are you sure? Are you sure? One thing, whenever uh, whenever we talk about this passage, whenever I've talked about this passage with other people before, the thing that I hear most often in reference to this passage is, well, you know, I can do a lot of good with a lot of money. Oh, I can't tell you if I had a nickel for every time I've heard somebody say, I can do a lot of good with money. I'm going to go ahead and say that's absolutely true, 100%. Absolutely. People with a lot of money can do a lot of good. People with a little money can do a lot of good. Money can be very helpful and beneficial. The thing is, we don't really tend to do good with our money. We tend to spend it mostly on ourselves. You look at even the most wealthy, the most wealthy pe- philanthropist in the world people who have you know, tons and tons of money and they give most of it away to many charitable causes, they still make sure they have enough to live comfortably, to live very comfortably. A couple of cars, a boat, maybe a plane, you know, very nice house, whatever. Yeah, that's... Whenever I hear people say, I can do a lot of good with money, I have to wonder, myself included, because I've said this 100%. I've said this exact same thing. I have to wonder, are we willing to do a lot of good with a lot of money or with a little money? Jesus says, after his conversation with the rich young ruler, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. Why is it hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Why? If if having money means we can do so much good, why is it so hard for people with wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Well, I think that it's because we tend not to use our money for good. We tend to use our money for ourselves to make ourselves comfortable, to make ourselves happy, and to get ourselves things that we like and that you know, may, might make our lives easier. Um, you know, Most of us, if we have the means, we're going to buy a car that's comfortable, not just something that gets us from point A to point B. Most of us, if we have the money, we're going to make sure that we have the tech gadgets that other people have in order to, you know, we can come up with whatever excuse we need for it. Yet Jesus says to the rich young ruler, sell all you have and distribute the money to the poor. Wow. How many of us have ever done that? Now I'm going to stop right here and say, I'm not telling you huge disclaimer across this whole sermon. I'm not telling you that right now you need to go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. That's between you and God. It can get you into a very sticky situation if you do try to do this. And so I'm not telling you to just go ahead and put all your stuff on Craigslist or Facebook Market and say, hey, whatever I get from this, I'm giving it to the poor. If you, if you and God come to a point in which you say, this is what I need to do, Great. But I'm not saying this is what you have to do. Rather, I'm saying that we need to consider what we would rather hold on to instead of following Christ. For we are wealthy people. We are wealthy people. Whether you accept it or not, um, each and every one of us, I say this to those people who are living in the United States, and those of us who are members of Spring Hill Avenue, United Methodist Church, we have things that people in other parts of the world don't have. We are wealthy people. I have met people who live on less than $2 a day and support a large family, villages that have to come together to support one another because collectively they don't make what I make in a year. We are wealthy people. Even if not in money, which there are plenty of people in the United States who are not wealthy in money, plenty of people, believe you me, the, the, the percentage of poor people in the United States outweigh the percentage of rich people by uh, 90%. Even if we might not be wealthy in money, we are wealthy in other things, abundant in resources, time. Oh, my goodness, if I could only hear your inner thoughts saying, there's no way I'm wealthy in time, you should see my schedule. Well, you know, we put in our schedules what matters to us, and we choose to spend our time that way. Resources, what have you. We could go on and on about ways in which we are wealthy. But let's just go ahead and say for a moment that each of us are wealthy. In at least... The fact that we have the capacity to love richly. Each and every one of us are capable of loving richly. To have a wealth of love within us. The thing is, Jesus tells us to give, excuse me, to sell all that we have and give it to the poor. Are we willing to give our great capacity for love to the poor? Are we willing to give our time to the poor? Are we willing to give our actual money to the poor? You see, in this moment, as we're talking about what it means to be the church, and we're looking at it through the lens of God's upside-down kingdom, and we remember that in God's kingdom there is no currency, there is only love, we still have to ask the question, how does our emphasis on money fit into God's kingdom here on earth? If we pray for God's kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to ask, how does a kingdom without currency fit into our society that, that needs currency? I mean, if we just get rid of currency, we'd break apart. Jesus' answer to that is generosity. The word generosity has many many connotations within the church, and this is the point where I imagine you're expecting me to say um, we need more people who are generous to the church. I'm not going to lie, that would help, but I'm not going to say that's where we should be generous. Rather God is calling us to be generous to those most in need. And those who are most in need are often hidden from our sight we must ask god to reveal them to us maybe it is a church maybe it's this church i don't know maybe it's the person who lives next door to you who just lost everything uh, because their job can't support them during this pandemic maybe it's the person whom you see every single day standing in the same street corner holding a cardboard sign maybe it's somebody you've never met before living on the other side of the world i don't know whom God might be calling your attention to. But what I do know is that God has never asked a single individual to hold on to their wealth. God has never asked a single individual or community or kingdom for that matter to hold on to their wealth. Number one, you can't take it with you guaranteed, I mean, 100%, we could have an entire conversation on theology of the afterlife. I'll tell you right now, money doesn't transfer to the afterlife. You know, then we also have the argument, well, just in case, okay, sure, we could have the just-in-case argument, just in case something terrible happens to me and my family, I'm going to hold on to this. That's all fine and dandy, but once again, I'll say God has never called anybody to hold on to their wealth. Rather, we see very plainly here Jesus say, sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor. Then come and follow me. So when we ask how our emphasis on money, our society's emphasis on money, fits into God's kingdom that holds no currency, the exchange rate is generosity, be generous people. That's my challenge for us this week, by the way, to be generous people. To ask the question, what do I need to give to the poor? To ask the question, who are the poor I need to give to? To ask the question, what does it mean to be a generous church? Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Okay, well, once again, that conversation's between you and God. Perhaps you remember our reminder from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly and not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let us be reminded in our challenge this week to live generously that generosity comes from love, not from fear, not from compulsion, not from reluctance, not because that crazy person who talks way too long on the TV on Sunday morning says that I should. It's just God calling us to be the church. And the church Has always been meant to exist as a generous community. Find anywhere in scripture that says otherwise and I would be astonished because God has never asked any individual, any community, any nation or kingdom to hold on to their wealth, but only to give, to give cheerfully, to live Generously. So let us, as we go through this week, seek out opportunities to be generous. Let us, throughout this week, look for God's upside-down kingdom as it prioritizes generosity over wealth. Let us be a people, God's church. Willing to give far more than we are willing to hold on to. And let us pray.